Welcome to Redemption Hill podcast. For more information about Redemption Hill, go to redemptionshill.com. We're doing something a little bit different uh, today. We're going to jump out of the series of Hebrews for uh, just one week, uh, and we're going to be in uh, Matthew. So Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 through uh, 15. Uh, and when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, uh, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard by their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Pray then like this, Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, their trespasses, neither will your father forgive your trespasses. This is the word of the Lord. This is the section that people love to drop off verse 14 and 15 of, uh, but we can't do that. So uh, for drier family gatherings, there's kind of a consistent routine uh, that we undertake. We will gather at either my parents' house or uh, my grandparents' house. Uh, all of us will bring food uh, to enjoy. We kind of uh, potluck it a little bit. My great-grandma or my grandma, my boy's great-grandma, she brings mac and cheese to everything, Velveeta, not like the real artisan type, like the box type. Uh, My sisters fill in all of the other goodness. Me, my dad, or mom will make the meat. We just kind of bring it all, and we come, and we enjoy uh, a a meal. Uh, We'll kind of hang out for a little bit when we arrive. All the fixings are are getting finished, Uh, and, and then my dad will call everyone into the kitchen Uh, to pray. Family prayer goes this way, and it has for uh, a a long time, uh, really as long as I can remember. If there's five of us or if there's 20 of us, if it's a big gathering, it'll still kind of go this way. My grandma will say, hold hands, and so we do, Uh, and we'll hold hands, and everyone will be in a circle in the kitchen, and we will then pray. One time in prayer while holding hands, my dad let out his normal prayer cadence or rhythm, and once he said amen, my sister holding my hand was chucking, chuckling vigorously or dry or laughing, which means laughing extremely, extremely loud. My dad looked at her and said, what in the world is so funny? Like, what are you, like, what are you laughing about? Is there an inside joke? And she just kind of laughed more. So m- my dad has what we lovingly call a prayer filler word or a prayer tick, if you will. Uh, my dad says Father God like a lot, a lot, a lot. Um, he opens it with Father God. He ends every thought with Father God. The word and is replaced with Father God. He ends it with Father God. And then you throw in a couple others for uh, good charm. And he, and he does it or did it subconsciously uh, before. So uh, this one day as he prayed, I was kind of feeling feisty, ornery, and my sister is next to me. So every time he said, Father God, I just squeezed her hand. And, and I, in my mind, I thought, you know, maybe I'll get three, four, five good squeezes out of it. And maybe she'll catch on to what I'm doing. Um, but he got on a father God roll that day. Like I squeezed his hand, it had to be well over 20 times. The, the oddity of it is 
the the more I squeezed, the more he said. It was like a game show buzzer. I was just I was just nailing uh, the thing, and and that's what got Annie worked up into such a big laugh as it was comedic. I was just grabbing her hand like crazy in that that moment. So so we told him what was going on after he kind of shook his head. He did laugh with us. He laughed himself. Then the next time we gathered, he prayed. And immediately when he said amen, he goes, I didn't say it. He like, he jumped himself out of the, the, the filler word. It was probably rough on him. He grew. He didn't say Father God a ton of times in that one. And we laughed even more. He's like, you did it, dad. This is awesome. And uh, so I bring this up to point out, um, it's kind of interesting when we take up prayer that it's easy to focus on the desire to pray uh, and, and just let the words out, which is actually a fantastic place to start. Like deciding that you want to pray is, is probably like 90% of the, the battle, just saying I'm going to do it and following through. Uh, but sometimes if we decide that we're going to do that, our prayer needs a little bit of a plan uh, so that if, if we're going to move past like popcorn prayers, just random prayers that you throw out and begin to devote ourselves to prayer and regular prayers and continual prayer, uh, then we kind of need a pattern or a plan to help us with that. So we kind of get some depth around what's going on. I'll, I'll try and explain a little bit more and hopefully it'll make sense. My, my boys, uh, we pray with them uh, at night, pretty much every night and their prayers have changed over time, like when they were uh, maybe up to the age of three, maybe even in f- uh, their, to the fourth year, their prayers were extended thank yous. Thank you for the mac and cheese. Thank you for the Hot Wheels truck. Thank you, Judah, thank you for my pillow. He loves his pillow. Thank you for my bed. Uh, thank you for cartoons. Thank you for dad, for mom, for brother, for grandma, for grandpa, for Aunt Annie, for Aunt Chelsea. Like, they're just going to go through it, and they're going to thank everyone for everything. And, and then you know that the prayer probably needs to wind down because Abel starts looking around the room. Thank you for that book, and thank you for that thing, and thank you for my clothes. You're like, okay, we're, we're going probably, to probably wind down. And, and, and that rhythm, it's formational. It, it's good. It teaches our kids to understand that everything comes from God. It is all his. It's teaching them to connect what's in their hands with a good father of all creation. But when you start looking around for things to thank him for, uh, you know that the prayer is kind of ending. And, and the understanding is if there's only one bucket that you put your prayers in, the, the thank you bucket, that's the only type of prayer that you, you practice, the only kind of uh, pattern or place that you have to put prayers into, it's not going to take too long uh, and you're going to kind of be out of thank yous and, and your prayer is going to kind of fizzle out. As the boys got older, older, their prayers transitioned uh, away a little bit from the the thank yous, uh, and they went to the pleases, right? All of a sudden, they're starting to ask for things. Please help me not have nightmares. Please help me have good rest. Please help me have a good day at school tomorrow. Please let me be able to play uh, with my friends. Please help me not get grounded. Please help me not hit my brother. You know, all of these things. And, and what happened is they didn't add a bucket to their prayer, like repertoire. They, they just traded buckets. It, it, it was thank you, and now it's please. Instead of please and thank you, they, they still had a very narrowed focus for uh, their prayers and their petitions. Again, uh, this isn't a bad thing. It's a great thing to understand that we go to our good father for what we need. He supplies all of our need. It teaches them uh, that you go to God for what you need. You trust God. You ask him in faith for the things that you need. But again, if that is the only bucket that you have to pray into or the only thing that you kind of do in your prayers, it's not going to take too awfully long before you exhaust your mind in things to, to ask for. You're going to get to the end of the rope and you're just going to stop praying because you're going to be like, well, I I guess I asked for everything I need. Like, 
10-4, over and out, amen, and you're just going to kind of quit. And as we prioritize prayer over the last year together, the pursuit of prayer has been something that we, uh, we've tried to live out instead of just have out in the spectrum of our words. We've placed prayer into the regular part of our uh, liturgy and our order of service. And today, in between one of the songs, we're just going to be an extended time to pray, even in what we're doing today. We're giving regular, consistent time uh, to prayer. So as it becomes more of what we do, we're trying to make it not just the way that we open or transition or close service. We want it to be a main part of what we do. We are God's people who pray to the the Lord because the house of the Lord is a house of prayer. And we kind of realize that urging people to pray isn't the same as actually giving them room to and time to pray. So we've been making room for it, and, and that's been great. We don't have a really a plan of stopping that anytime soon. On top of prayer in the, the gathering, our MCs have tried to focus on prayer as well, increasing the amount of prayer that we do. We don't want prayer to be an afterthought or how we say go or how we say leave my house now. I'm going to pray. That means you have to leave. We want it to become more of a main thing of what we do. During Lent, some people have really increased their personal prayer life, like devoting massive amounts of time to to prayer. We've had people, a large group of people fasting and praying every Thursday together in a more focused way than than maybe they ever really have uh, together. And and God is strengthening and refining his people through uh, this prayer. What we want to do today then is we want to take a moment to equip us as the body to be able to pray uh, better. With all this focus on prayer, the understanding is, I don't want you and me to run out of things to say. I don't want to only have one or two buckets to pray into, and so we just kind of quit because we don't know what else to say. So what we're going to do is we're going to learn a little bit more about biblical prayer categories or a framework to place your prayers into so that your prayers won't fizzle out, and so maybe they will get deeper. The hope here uh, is that we would uh, not only enjoy prayer more, we'd understand how to do it biblically more, uh, but then we'd have our prayers actually become deeper and more life-giving. That Some of you who've maybe prayer has been a duty that you have managed and it's been really difficult and it's been really hard that maybe prayer would turn into a delight and a gifting that you see that you have, an absolute passion and really a blessing to the church because you've just become a person who, who prays powerfully and, and consistently. To move towards that, though, what we're going to do, that's why we've jumped off of Hebrews. I'm going to put on the teaching hat, and, and we're just going to talk about what it looks like to strengthen our prayer lives, what it looks like to get more categories and a, and a strong framework to pray inside of. Where do we go to do this? Well, what's the answer in every uh, kid's class question? Who can help us with this? Yeah. What would you do if I was like wrong? Uh, like that's a setup. Uh, in in Matthew, Jesus focuses specifically on the spiritual discipline of prayer. Uh, the disciples, the Big Twelve, the OGs of the faith, came to Jesus like, "Hey, teach us how to pray." Um, and uh, they, they said, John taught his disciples how to pray. Will you, will you teach us? Like, we need some, some help. We see that in Luke 11. And Jesus uses the Lord's prayer to teach them to pray. So, so understand, hey, will you help us to pray? Sure, here, this, this is me helping you, our Father in heaven. That, that was actually the teaching. We come from probably a wide variety of prayer backgrounds or church backgrounds. Maybe you grew up in church, maybe you didn't. Maybe you grew up in a church that repeated the Lord's Prayer every week as a part of the service that you attended. I'll be honest, when I used to hear about people doing that, I was like, that sounds awful. That sounds monotonous. Why would you want to do that? But now, I actually kind of see the appeal of it. 
And I see why it could actually be helpful because as you recite those words over and over and over again, whether you realize it or not, what it does is it cements them into your mind. You use the gathering to reinforce the teaching that Jesus gave us to learn how to pray. All of a sudden, the the repetition implants it on you. And what I kind of realized maybe older in life is maybe I too easily discounted the blessing of repetition that builds. It's actually kind of helpful. And the reason I now see it as helpful or beneficial is simple. The Lord's Prayer is actually a template for us to use, to place our prayers inside of. It isn't meant to be one large disconnected work. The Lord's Prayer isn't powerful just because you recite verbatim the words of Jesus. The power comes in understanding the framework or the teaching around Uh, the prayer. The memorization of the words become a memorization of the framework that Jesus gives us. So no matter where you're at, if you're kind of running out of things to pray for, you can kind of go, oh wait, what about the Lord's Prayer? And you can pivot through the categories that it teaches you and your prayer life can, can become more healthy and also balanced. We can accidentally fall into one type of prayer all the time. Like my boys, when they got a little older, all the pleases, it was good for them to reinforce, but you need to get out of that. We don't want to only ask God for, for, for the, the wants and desires that we have. We want to, to grow. So the Lord's Prayer is uh, beneficial for that. Before we go into the specific part of the Lord's Prayer, we threw in the verses right before and right after that. And they start with, and when you pray, which teaches us something, Right? If he says, and when you pray, instead of, and if you pray, the assumption is that this is actually a command. And that command is not uh, meant to be harsh. It's meant to help you. The understanding is prayer isn't a punishment. It's a blessing that'll that'll help you. We've been praying for revival. We've been praying for renewal. We've been praying for a depth of our walk and our faith and increased fruit and joy. That's not going to come without prayer. So the, and when you pray is actually a, a leading you to the water, leading you to benefits in your prayer life. And Jesus says, okay, when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites. There was a large group of people who only practiced their faith when people were watching. Uh, He's addressing kind of the heart of that. Some people wanted to pray only uh, to be heard. They only wanted to be seen praying. They didn't pray because they loved to pray. They prayed because they loved what other people thought of them when they saw them pray. And Jesus says, hey, don't do that. The reward that is fleeting, it's fickle. Do you you really want the fickle uh, approval of men and women? But if you come to me and pray not to be seen by other people, you're not saying don't pray in public. He's saying don't pray just to be seen in public. If you pray to me in another way, I will give you a benefit that's far better than the fickle love or, or approval of men and women. And then he says, okay, when you're praying also, you don't have to pray with many words or heap up empty phrases. Jesus isn't saying, hey, make sure that your prayer is short and sweet and articulate. He's addressing the heart again. There are people who pray and they're like, I'm going to insert really big words. You just wondered, did you look up that word just to put that in there today? Like, I've never heard you say anything like that. They, they want to throw out these big language so people ooh and awe over what they do. And Jesus goes, that is pointless. Your father knows what you need before you even ask. You don't need to impress other people. Come before him because he's your good father, not because you want other people to think much of you. 
It's important to clarify, I joked about my, my father's father God usage. Uh, he's not going after filler words here when he says don't heap up many words. Uh, that's not what he's talking about. If you have a filler word, it's all good. I don't want you to go into MC and be like, I don't know if I want to pray anymore because maybe I have a filler word. Like, No, no, it, it's okay. He isn't requiring manicured and, and articulate words of prayer. To be honest, I would rather a person pray with 50 filler words and walk with them any day than walk with a person who doesn't pray. Give me the filler word guy. Like, I want to walk with that guy because he's praying and he'll probably lead me to pray more, even if he says Father God a bazillion times, right? right? The heart of prayer is what he's, what he's addressing here. You don't have to dress yourself up to pray. Come to your good Father and pray and see the beauty of what will happen there. This is a heart posture that he starts with. Hey, check the heart and why you're praying first. Then he goes into it. Here's the Lord's Prayer proper. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we, for, as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Uh, will you put up the slide with that? Yeah, the category. So here's, here's the way we want to kind of understand this. This prayer, other people have broken it up into seven or other things like that. Five just works a, a little bit easier. This prayer is helpful if you see five different categories or buckets to pray into. I'll go to this one, and I'll go to the next one, and then I'll go to the next one, and I'll go to the next one, it's so on. That, that's the way that this prayer is helpful. Theologian Martin Lloyd-Jones uh, wrote an amazing book about the Sermon on the Mount where he did probably the best work that I've ever seen on the Lord's Prayer. I heard him teach over it. Other people had kind of taught over it and tried to lay out this category system. He, he just did it in a way that clicked for me. He taught again that the Lord's Prayer was actually themes or ideas or buckets to put your prayer into. It's a, it's a framework. It's a category system that builds you up in your prayer and gives you things to go to the Lord in. It's not meant to be rigid. It's not meant to be legalistic. You're not in trouble if you don't pray this way. This isn't meant to be a, a prison that your prayers have to live in or, or else. This is a framework that's meant to amplify the content of your prayer and give you more balance in your prayers so that you don't become unhealthy by only praying in, in the Lord give me, Lord give me, Lord give me type of way. This is meant to help you when you run out of thank yous, when you run out of pleases, to expand the horizons, to give you a new category to pray inside of. The first theme or, or bucket comes up at the beginning of the prayer, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. It's the entire first category. Like that is it. Uh, Martin Lloyd-Jones wrote this, now I know that this is an unpopular doctrine today, but it is the doctrine of the Bible. The world today believes in the universal fatherhood of God and the universal brotherhood of man. That's not found in the Bible. It was our Lord who said to certain religious Jews that they were of, the father, uh, they were of their father, the, the devil. He was like, yeah, your dad's different. Uh, and, and not children of Abraham, not children of God. It is only to as many as receive him that he gives the, the right, the authority to become the son's of God. And I thought he just put that well as you open into prayer. The first category, the first thing that you're remembering in your prayer is God is your father, our father, not a universal father, not everyone's daddy. He is your Abba, your father, your good father, your loving father, your merciful father, your providing father, your working father. And he's the father that delights over you. He loves you and he cares for you. 
When praying, uh, he's leading us to say, hey, put this more in your diet of prayer, remembering your heart or reminding your heart and your head that, that God is not a distant, capricious, possibly angry God who doesn't care about you and doesn't walk close to you. He is your loving father. And he's proved his love through Jesus towards you, that he's a strong God who loves you much. And then he adds this idea in there. He's a strong God who's not wandering around aimlessly either. He's not lost or just meandering around. He is in the throne of heaven, the place that you'll see one day. Your strong God is your father, and he is in the place in the throne room of heaven. This is where he resides, and one day you'll see him there. And the words, hallowed be your name, it's a powerful declaration as well. We get so uh, used to really thinking of and praying about what's right in front of us, our wants, our needs. And Jesus teaches us that our greatest need uh, is to see God rightly, uh, to hallow his name, to revere him, to hold him in his right spot, to see his nature and his character and his holiness and his purity, to see the things that the Old Testament writers wrote about and understood more clearly than we do that God is like a burning fire of holiness and purity. God is not like us. He is holy. He is the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end, the provider, the one who is over above all things. He is sovereign. He's omnipotent. He is not like you and me. This first category of prayer holds these ideas of intimacy and relationship with God, the future hope of glory that we're going to go see him in that throne room one day, and then awe and adoration over his character and his nature. In general, it's going to help us to recite who God is back to our own hearts so that we remember and don't begin to reframe him in in light of maybe what we feel in the moment. We reframe him constantly in our prayer by what is true about him. We put his character in its right place. If we chop this down to two words, right, if we want to remember these categories easily, uh, I would just say this is probably the most helpful, intimacy and adoration. Father, thank you that you are my father. I did, not obs- I did not deserve adoption, and yet you have adopted me and brought me into the family, and you'll never leave me, and you'll never forsake me, and you're not going to run away from me. You're not going to be oh, the one who disowns me. You're not embarrassed of me. You're not ashamed of me. You are my father who cares about my needs. You know the hairs on my head. You care for me. Thank you for that. Thank you for your power that one day I will see you. Help me see you rightly. You are the God who is powerful, who's strong, who's over and above all things. I think I control all things, but you're sovereign over everything. Let me see that you are good. Right? These are these categories that these first prayer go into, reciting your relationship to God and who his character is or what is true about him. So you kind of park there for a little bit, right? This is where we, we start our prayer. Once you've been there for a little bit, then you pivot to the next one. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is the pivot to the second category, the second theme, the the second bucket to place our prayers in. Simply put, uh, this has to do with the will and purposes of God. In the fall, in Genesis 3, the undercurrent of the moment was a person thought that their ways were better than God's ways, right? That's the temptation of the apple. I could do better on my own. I actually have a better plan than, than you do. That's what the apple signified. And really quickly, we can walk into that same mindset. I could do better at this than you. I don't think you've actually done a good job. I, I think that my plan actually will work out better than yours. These words, your kingdom come, your will be done, uh, are as much about asking for God's will to be done as also a declaration to our heart that God's way is better than ours. 
Your way is higher. It's what I want. It's what I need. It's what the entire world needs. Whether we see it or not, you are higher. These prayers place their trust in God. They align our hearts with his will and our desire for his will to be accomplished. Prayers about mission fall into this. Right? For God to save, prayers about pushing back darkness fall into this. For Jesus to be made much of, for the gospel uh, to break into the, the blindness of our culture, they fall into this. Prayers for the, the helpless to be cared for, for the widow to be loved, prayers for the light of Jesus to shine into the world, they all go here. They rest in this category. If I chopped it down, it would be will and redemption. Father, all I can see is the negative around. Would you break your kingdom into this place more? Lord, may we see people come to know you. May we see your light shine into this broken world. It it seems more and more and more we do not see the light of Jesus here. Will you bring his light more? Will you you help this church plant go about? We've got a friend of ours who's starting a ministry uh, down at at Mizzou. God, would you help Scott in the work that he's doing at, at the bridge on campus? Would you give them favor? Would you help them out? Will we see more people come to know you in our city and specifically at the the university through that ministry? Lord, we want to see your kingdom come. We want to see people know you, not just under the the Redemption Hill banner. We want to see people come to know you who are far off, no matter who they are or where they're they're at. We shift to the third category. Give us this day our daily bread. This is the third category theme or bucket for our prayers. In Jesus' time, there, there wasn't refrigeration. Right? You're not taking to-go home boxes everywhere all the time. Uh, there isn't a whole bunch of leftover food, meaning you got your food on that day for that day. That's the way things work. So when Jesus are, is teaching us to pray to God for our daily bread, he's saying go to him for the things that you need every day. Go to the Father for what you need to live. God isn't a monster who wants you to suffer. God isn't a distant figure who could care less about your needs. Jesus was teaching Uh, that it is good and right to go to God for what you need. We easily can assume that he knows what we need and we don't need to ask him. We can immediately assume maybe in the West that I've got what I need already in my own control. I work, I get a paycheck, I got a grocery store, I can can do it. This is teaching us go back to the Father for what we need. It trains the heart to remember that everything is God's. All of it comes from him and it builds our trust in him providing for us. We don't have to do it on our own. We can ask for help. We can go to him over and over and over again. We can ask and seek and knock and knock and knock for our, our needs. Our, our, our daily bread opens the category of what we call petitions. They're things that you're asking for. They're, they're, they're the things that you're going, hey, would you, would you provide this? Would you do this? And while the, the, the first understanding of our daily bread is for your needs, we can ask for more than that. We bring our wants and our desires and our hopes and our dreams in front of God, the God who cares for us, the the good Father who is our Father. We lay our hearts before him with what we want, with our heart, with, with what's on our mind, and it helps us trust him with the things that we want. And it'll probably give him time to speak back into our wants. If we're sharing our wants with him and we have some moments of silence in our prayer, the Holy Spirit will actually be able to, to speak into the things that we want at the same time. In broad terms, this is category can be chopped down to the words needs and wants. Father, we help me. I'm having these struggles in my, my job lately. I'm not really sure. Am I supposed to stay there or, or would you open the door for a new job? I've been struggling here with this. Would you, would you help me out with, with that? God, I, I, I'm feeling this, this lead towards this, this other thing. I don't, I don't really think it's something I, I need, but, 
but man, my heart really wants it. Will you, will you show me? Will you refine it? Is that want something good? Can I honor you through that? Or do you want me to do that? Am I supposed to stay away from that? Lord, this is what my heart wants. We we help me with it or show me if you want something else and, and help me trust you if you just say no? These are the categories of, of needs and wants. That's a third category. You spend some time there and then you can shift over into the fourth category. This is forgive us our debts. It doesn't stop there though, right? As we have forgiven our debtors. Uh, the fourth category could easily be turned into a couple of categories, but for simplicity's sake, we just put it as one. And the, the transition is kind of seamless here for us. That just as much as we need food, we need forgiveness. Our felt needs aren't always as big as our eternal needs. This issue uh, is still great for us. We need pardon. We need forgiveness. And this category can be tricky uh, because we think if we are in Christ, then our sin is already forgiven. It's as far as, as the east is away from the west. Why would I need to pray about my, my sin or why would I need to pray for forgiveness if I'm already for, for, forgiven? And it is absolutely true. You are forgiven, but this category deals with a broad range of things to do with your sin, uh, of, of where we struggle, of where we need to feel forgiven where we already are. It deals with things like repentance and uh, confession and uh, the like. As Martin Luther said, this is the, the category of prayer that helps all of life turn into a pattern of repentance. That happens in here. The things in the heart that you're still struggling with or need help with or, or you need to get free from, those all happen in here. It deals with the remaining sin, your sin tendencies and mine. It deals with the, the hard edges of uh, your heart. It deals with a need to feel forgiven because at some points we can feel too dirty and not forgiven. And this, is, this goes into to this section. God, help me with the, the remnants of the old Adam that are still sticking around that love to, be, to, to pop up. Help free me from those. I don't, I don't want to fall into those traps anymore. Help me, Lord. Help me see forgiveness. Help me uh, walk in for forgiveness. Remind me that it is finished when I think that I've gone too far from your love and I've out you. Lord, help me. I want to be free from that and I want to feel forgiven for that. Even though we are still being sanctified, we need to pray about the things that we struggle with. Bring them before the Father. We'll be shown that we are made clean and probably our heart can begin to be transformed where we want other things than those things as well. Then the link to our own forgiveness is the forgiveness that we give. A lot of people struggle with this section and they don't know what to do with it because they think it makes salvation something that you earn, that we earn salvation uh, via the currency of forgiving other people. But that isn't it. The section deals with the area of our heart and people, though, which is a deep section that needs prayer. This is where we pray for help forgiving other people. This is where we uh, pray for help loving people who are hard to, to love, help turning the other cheek when, when we don't want to turn the other cheek, help with, with bitterness and, and whatnot that grows in the heart, wisdom over how to treat people that, that you have tension with. It all comes in here. And this category also deals when the heart just isn't right overall. See, we can't hold unforgiveness and a close relationship with Christ at the, at the same time. It, it, it doesn't work that way. 
What I think is brilliant about this tie of forgiving others in prayer is that after we work through the other categories, uh, as we've gone through, God, this is, you're my dad, and, and you're powerful, and you're in heaven, and, and this is what I, uh, this is your, your, your kingdom, and your will be done, and this is what I, I need, and this is what, once you've kind of vacillated through all of that, when you get there with unforgiveness still brewing in your heart, and you hit that fourth bucket, then you have a really clear choice. Am I going to hold on to this bitterness or am I going to hear the Spirit saying, let it go? And you have to, to deal with it. You have to decide, will I ignore it or will I ask for help with it? Or will I skip the fourth category altogether because I just feel like I'm entitled to be angry at that person? It, it helps deal with the heart. So we often feel entitled to sit in our anger and frustration with a person when they've wronged us. Do you know what they did to me? You just want me to get over it? You just want me to, 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 to forgive them? But... Jesus frees us from hatred and bitterness and unforgiveness. The reality is resentment makes the heart go sick, right? It's a poison that that affects a number of things in your life, in your relationship, in your communion with God, in in your ability to to navigate the people around you. So a regular look into your heart and what you need help forgiving is helpful, and it makes sense here. This deals with a a large uh, swath of issues, repentance and confession and where we struggle and and where there's tension with us in relationship with other people. God, help me with the proclivity towards distraction and and apathy. Lord, I've I've had frustration grow over the last little bit. Will you you help me in this? Lord, I valued other things way more than you as of late. Lord, I found that... I'm just really frustrated with, with this person. Will you help me see where that's even coming from? Will you help me forgive them and love them and see that they're not the enemy? I, I don't know how to forgive them. I don't even know how to deal with this, but will you, will you help me? Will you, will you quench the anger? Will you let me see how, how you have forgiven me of much, much, much worse and help me love and care for them? Will you help align my heart again to your heart and your purposes? Forgive me for my unbelief. Forgive me for my anger. Help me, Lord. Let's all fall into here. The section is so important that after the official of the Lord's Prayer, what does Jesus do? He bounces right back to forgiveness all over again. Right? The understanding is forgiveness is probably something that will need to be a regular part of our prayer. And that bitterness and hatred and anger um, are probably going to be a regular thing that you and I will have to fight off a consistent thing that we pray to get out of. The temptation that the enemy will dangle in front of us is to hold on to our rage or anger or bitterness or frustration with a person because when you do, it'll hurt your heart and other relationships as well. And your communion with God will be affected by unforgiveness. So he says it and he goes, oh, hey, remember, I was serious about that thing. Like, forgive. And then the fifth category. If I lost you, only one more. I did. Okay, that's fine. Uh, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. This category has to do with the help of the theme of needing help and protection. We can get convinced that maybe the world isn't that bad, or maybe it's just this because we maybe we see clearly that the world is bad. But we go, well, we're already saved, so sin isn't that big of a deal. It's been covered. And yet Jesus plants in our mind uh, the reminder in this section that we still need God's help to be delivered. We still need God's protection. We shouldn't assume that we are fine on our own or we've got this. There's a real enemy and real evil and real temptation. The the pattern of asking God to help us and guide us out of that real enemy and that real temptation is what Jesus is showing. Lord, help me. Help me not get tripped up by evil. 
Help me not fall into temptation. God, will you, will you strengthen me? This, this, I feel like this one struggle just kind of keeps getting me. And I, and I think maybe that... I think maybe the enemy is pressing on me in this area and trying to get me to bite on this. I, I need your help. Will you deliver me from this? Help me, God. I don't, I don't know how to fight this. Or Lord, will you give me the, the foresight to see uh, how to walk out of some of these issues? Because I feel like the enemy is just really tempting me in a couple areas right now. Will you help me? Deliver me from evil. Keep me away. Don't, don't let me assume that I am so big and so strong that I can't fall anymore. It's a reminder to our heart that we still need God. We aren't above getting tripped up. In this way, this category makes uh, kind of like a bookend for the section that makes a lot of sense. We start by reminding ourselves that God is our Father, our Abba, right? And we end by remembering and we still need our Father. We still need his protection. We are not too big for Dad's help. We are not too strong that I got this, I don't need you anymore. We consistently need him and we rely on him and we go to him, not just for our salvation, but our protection and our deliverance and to free us from the evil that will try and trip us up. The word here is simply help. I don't know what these sections or categories need to be militant about. I think that there is a beauty in the framework. You can probably jump back and forth but I think that the way that they're woven together, the one, two, three, four, five, is actually really helpful because that flow does some things in our hearts, right? We start with re- being reminded that we are God's children. He is our father. We, re- be, we are reminded that, um, of who he is and we put him back in his rightful place. And we go to him for the things that we need because it's easy to, to, to try and just depend on ourselves. And we go to him for the things that we want and the things that we're feeling and the things that, we, that our heart's starting to attach itself to. We go to the Lord for those so that our desires in the world do not eclipse our relationship with God. And then we camp out there for a little bit. We begin to ask more for his will and redemption. God, I want to see renewal come. Lord, I want to see you push back darkness. Man, I've been praying for this person. I want to see them come to know you. God, will you grab them? Will you save them? Will you show them the beauty of Jesus and the freedom from their sin that is possible? And I want to see your kingdom of God come more and more and more. May, may your will be done. Lord, I want to see it. Help me see your will. Help me walk in your will. Let this place look more like heaven than hell. Lord, we want to see the light of who you are come. And we camp out there and we go back to our needs. God, this is what I want. This is what I feel. This is what I desire. Will you help me with that? Help me straighten out where my, 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 my ability to see my needs has gone sideways and where I have created situations where my wants are needs. Help me in this. And Lord, would you provide this? And, and would you do this? I'm going to ask in faith, will you help me and help me see my desires more clearly? It's amazing how when we start our prayer, though, remember the, the order with who God is and what his will is, it'll actually begin to mold and shape our needs and wants if we start with who God is before we start with us. See, it's easy to start with us, and then we color God by our perceived uh, understanding of whether he'll come through or not. And the reality is we need to start with God and then actually color what we think we need or want, and it'll bring us back to reminding ourselves that God cares that he loves us and that he wants us to come. He could say, get away from me, I've done enough. But he says, knock, ask, come. I, I want you to bug me over and over and over again. I'm a good father. Am I, am I, am I, am I going to bring you bad stuff? Keep asking, keep coming to me. And we've come to, capped out there for a while. We walk through forgiveness. 
our needs there, our, our feelings uh, that when we need to feel safe, when we need to feel forgiven, when we need help with the sin remnants that we're still struggling with and our heart's position towards other people. Lord, I need your help forgiving them. We ask for, for bitterness and, and, and indifference that has been built up to be crushed. We ask for help with the callous parts of our heart. And then when we've camped out there for a little bit, we ask for help just clearly. And Lord, please help me not fall flat on my face. Protect me. Deliver me. Guys, can we just feel that for a little bit? We need our Father. You are not too big. The enemy prowls around like a roaring lion trying to destroy you, to seek and destroy and deceive. He wants to do anything he can to you whether it's crush your relationship with other people, hurt you, make you fall into sin, you need help and we need to rely on the protection of the Father for this. So we ask for help regarding the situations that are tempting us. We ask for deliverance from the things that we feel that are trying to snare us. And we ask for wisdom to not walk into places that we don't even see are gonna be hard places of temptation. There are times that we walk into places foolishly when we could have asked, God, will you give me wisdom over, over my steps? Will you order my days? Will you show me where to spend my time we, we, we help give me some wisdom here because the spirit actually wants to speak into those things. This framework can be bounced back and forth and it can be started over. I don't know that you have to hit every category all the time. But there's help in, in learning to go to God in a balanced way instead of just going with what you want or what you feel. We can get into patterns where our prayer walk isn't very regular and we just go to God in perceived emergencies only. So we're never going like, God, I want to see you as powerful or good. We're actually going with the undertone of, what did you do? Why did you do this? Will you fix this? He's teaching you, hey, I want to to reverse that. I want to show you who I am more. So come to me more regularly and remember who I am first so you're not always coming to me in the emergency, kind of low-key frustrated with me. He wants to teach you and I to deepen our prayers. This is how the Lord Jesus taught the disciples how to pray. And this is how we're trying to lean into deepening our own prayers. Again, I don't think that these categories are red letter or gospel. I don't, I don't think that you're in deep trouble if you do not follow these categories. They're just meant to be helpful. And I've watched myself at different times. Just, okay, I'm going to start here for a little while. Or I'm going to camp into this one. I'm going to camp into this one. And, and it begins to remind me at times too, when you, when you go into the second category, you begin to think of, man, I haven't thought about your kingdom very much. I haven't thought about your will very much. Huh. Lord, help me think about your kingdom very more. May I see its work more? Will you show me where you want to invest? Like, it actually helps how you think and how you walk as you do it. It will deepen your prayer life if you use it. The hope for us is that we'll find fruit in this. Lord, will you help us deepen our prayers, deepen our dependence on you, if I could be really honest, Lord, would you create a joy in prayer for us? Because there's been times that it's felt like burden, like work, like a one-sided phone call. Lord, deepen our prayer. Let us see the beauty of who you are. Van, you guys can come back up. We'll take communion again today. And I just kind of lead in this. The only reason we can pray is Jesus. Right? He's the only reason that we can come to the Father. So communion is still a very fitting part of the gathering when we're learning about prayer. Because without him, we couldn't go. 1 Corinthians 11, for I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me in the same way he also took the cup after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me for as often as you eat the bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. 
So as we begin to ask the Lord to deepen our prayer life and deepen our prayer walk, we get to come to the table and remember, I get to come to you clean. I get to come to you not wondering if, if you're angry or disappointed or if you disown me. I come to the table remembering Christ's body was broken and his blood was shed so I can come before you as your son or daughter who's clean. I don't have to, I don't have to posture because I'm afraid that you're going to hit me or hurt me. I get this boldness to come before your throne and I get to know that you love me and you've cared for me and you've made a way. So you come and you take, once again, remember the, 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 the repeated build of you love me and you care for me. You love me and you cared for me and you paid the way and you paid the way and you beckoned my heart and you beckoned my heart. This is what we're doing at the table. So praise you come that your heart would be built up. We're gonna give you some time. Uh, I believe it's in the middle of maybe the second song. We'll just have an extended break in there and I'll just say, hey, like put, put on the category hat, right? Just try and walk through them a little bit. Go to the Lord. If you, if you struggle with prayer, maybe you just start there too. Even before you go to the categories, just confess, man, I had a hard time praying. I, I, want, I want to pray more. I want to enjoy praying. Can I just start by that ask and then just start going through the categories and see if he doesn't help your heart. See if he doesn't enrich your prayer life by, by going through this. See if Jesus didn't actually have a reason for this that's quite beautiful for us. My hope is that you and I will find just joy in prayer. Can we just remind ourselves prayer is a gift? You get to go to the God of the universe with the big stuff and the little stuff. You get to go with his will and your will and for protection and for comfort. You get to go to all of that, right? God could be in a position where he could say, hey, I don't have time for you. You annoy me. I've done enough for you. And he doesn't. He goes, I have all the time in the world. Come. There's an open path. Jesus paved the way. Jesus is praying that you would see that the path is open. He's made the way. It is open. Come and pray. I pray that your heart would find joy in that. That our pursuit of becoming a people of prayer wouldn't be in word alone, but that we would grow in it. Would you stand with me? God, we ask for your help. In a way like the disciples, we just humble ourselves and say, uh, teach us to pray. Uh, not to be seen, not just to be heard, uh, but to know to you, to come to you, to see you, to see your will, to see your love for us, to seek your protection and your comfort and your mercy. Lord, I pray that as we try and lean in more and more and more, some have already found it, but that others would find deep joy there maybe an intimacy that they have never known. That your father doesn't keep us away in anger, but draws us in in love. Deepen our prayers, God. Lord, let us see you rightly and be in awe of your love and your mercy, Lord. We're so thankful that we can come to the table. You give us a constant reminder that we get to come clean. We didn't come with things that we've earned. We also don't come with baggage that you hold against us. We come clean. Thank you for that. What a joy it is to drop the things to the side that hinder our relationship with you and we get to come and lean into and rely on the work of Christ again. May it be big and beautiful to us. May our hearts be strengthened. Would you do a deep work on our prayer? And Lord, may our worship be pleasing to you. We love you, Father. Amen.